Welcome to the East City Wesleyan Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to learn more about East City Wesleyan Church, please go to ecw.org.nz for more information. Now, here's your podcast. How great is our God. And it's good to be here at the beginning of the year to worship him. Second Sunday of the year, second Sunday of a new decade. This is awful loud, isn't it? I think God likes new beginnings. Think about it. When God planned this earth, he planned that our earth would rotate every 24 hours and give us a brand new day. Then he planned that the moon would go around the earth once every 29 and a half days and give us a new moon, a new month. And every 365 days, the earth would go around the sun and give us a new year. And if that's not enough new beginnings, he threw in an extra one that's not dependent on the sun, moon, or the stars, a week. That was God's special gift for us. Every seven days, you'll have a new week. Because we need those new beginnings. The first words in the Bible, in the beginning. And you get to the end of the Bible, and it doesn't say the end. It says the one seated on the throne says, I make everything new. And you get to the end, and you discover it's a new beginning. And so from beginning to New beginning, I almost said the end. It's not the end. From beginning to new beginning, there's lots of new beginnings along the journey because we need new beginnings. So as we we start into the Bible, we, we read about the creator making this beautiful world, beautiful universe, but made this earth with mountains and valleys and plains and rivers and lakes and we like holiday times where we can get away from the city and get out there and just enjoy nature and see the trees and the hills and the water and and just see God's creation. And it's God made a world teeming with birds and fish and animals of all shapes and sizes and makes it in there, he creates this... uh, garden, but really it's more a botanical garden. It's, it's a garden with rivers and mountains and trees and bush, and there he puts Adam and Eve, and God looks at everything and says, yeah, that is very good. It starts with a very good beginning. But unfortunately, we just turn a few pages in our Bible, and we read some of the saddest words where in Genesis 6, 6, it says, God was grieved, sad that he had made man on the earth, and God's heart was filled with pain. The earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. The very good beginning had gone terribly bad very quickly. And as God surveys everything, he sees one righteous man and a righteous wife 
and three righteous kids with their wives, and they are blameless before God. And God looks at them and says, there is hope. But this earth needs a new beginning. And so God tells Noah to build a three-story floating box and fill it with animals of all shapes and sizes, two and seven of each kind. And uh, then God sends a great big flood to wash this earth clean. Wash it clean of all the violence and wickedness and evil and just have a new beginning. He says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And then God scatters people all over the world and they go to India and China and Africa and South America and South Pacific. And many of them carry with them stories of a great flood when everything started from new again. And then in Genesis, there's another story about a new beginning. And God chooses some, throughout the Bible, we see that God keeps choosing unlikely people, not the people we'd choose for a hero. God chooses sometimes the most unlikely people. He chooses this couple, he's in his 70s and she's not much younger, and they have no children, and God says, leave your home, leave your family, leave your comforts, leave your country, go to a new place that I will show you, I'll give you a new beginning, I'll make you into a great nation, and they said, sounds good to us. And they pack up and they move, leave everything, move everything for a new beginning in a new place that they haven't seen before. They couldn't even Google it to see what it looked like. And it wasn't in the Lonely Planet Guide. It was, it was just, just go. Go where? Just follow me, go. But 24 years go by, and there's still no children. God, I thought you were gonna make us a great nation. <laughs> Nothing's happened yet. And God gives them, Isaac, a new beginning. And Isaac has two sons, Jacob and Esau. Jacob has 12 sons, the 12 sons of Jacob. One of them, Joseph, dad's pet, but disliked by his brothers, is sold into slavery, sent off to a foreign country. He could easily forsake God, but he chose to remain faithful. God blesses him and he prospers in this new country and he's flourishing but he attracts the wrong kind of attention from the boss's wife and he has to say no with a very firm word rejecting temptation she turns against him he's falsely condemned and thrown into prison it's gone from bad to worse Again, it's so easy to give up God and say, God, where are you? Everything's going wrong. But instead, he remains faithful. But years tick over. Years come and go. He's still a prisoner. He becomes a supervisor in the prisoner, in the prison, but he's still a prisoner. No hope, no future. When things seem impossible, he suddenly goes from prisoner to prime minister. God's tested him to see if he's made of the right stuff. Can you withstand the temptations? And God brings a new beginning. 
Through Joseph, Egypt is saved from famine. He forgives his brothers who had ill-treated him. They and their families end up in Egypt. And there they live for the next 400 years. Kings come and kings go, but after many years a new king comes and Joseph's descendants and Jacob's descendants have multiplied until they become thousands of people, hundreds of thousands of people. And then we come across the story of racial discrimination, persecution, slavery, and genocide. Unfortunately, those things still happen today, don't they? Has God forgotten his promise to make a great nation out of Abraham's descendants? The people cry out to God in their pain and in their suffering, God, help us. And God chooses Moses to come and help them. And Moses, he needs a new beginning because although he had an amazing start to his life and had the best training in the country, in his impulsiveness, he had blown his chances, he had tried to help his people, he had failed, and he had run away out in the desert, looking after a few scrawny sheep, thinking, my life's over. I'll never amount to nothing. I've blown it. I'm useless. I'm hopeless. There's no future for me. But we have a God of new beginnings. And God comes to Moses and says, Moses, get up, go back to Pharaoh. Lead my people out of Egypt. He said, no, nah, you got the wrong guy. I've been there, done that, didn't work, not going back there again. God says, no, you go. I'll be with you. It's a time for a new beginning. And so God shows his power over all the gods of Egypt and he brings 600,000 men plus women and children, about 2 million people out of slavery. It's a new beginning for the Hebrews. They become God's chosen people and God plans for them to go live in that little bit of land that we call Israel today. It's sort of the crossroads. You've got Africa to the south, You've got Europe to the north and west. You've got Asia to the east. Right in that middle where you've got Asia, Europe, Africa, there God put those people. I want you to be a demonstration. Show the rest of the world what it's like to live with God as your God, a God who will care for you, look after you, bless you. Live under God's rule and God's blessing, and I will look after you and bless you and make you a great nation. And for a while... They did. They flourished under David's leadership. And they became a great nation. And, and the rest of the world looked up and noticed these are the people that God has blessed. But they looked around and they said, we want to be like everybody else. There's this temptation to just go with the flow not be God's special people, but just be like everybody else. They preferred to follow the customs, the cultures, the gods of the people around them. They turned their back on God and made themselves idols. Gods made with their own hands, with their own technology, with their own skill and their own ability. Today we face similar questions. Will we allow the culture, the pressure, of the society in which we live to control and shape our lives 
Or will we be prepared to be God's special people? Listen to him. Follow him. And live in such a way that people around us can see God's blessing in our lives. And so the Israelites, as we go through the Bible, we read stories of success and growth. We read times of revival and times of backsliding. Times when a nation repents and turns back to God and God blesses. And then times of complacency. She'll be right. We're okay. No sweat. We got this under control. We can do it ourselves. And then they miss out on God's blessing. Prophets warn that unless the nation repents, then judgment will come. But they feel secure in their own strength. We're good. We have God's temple. We are God's people. We have our history. We have our heritage. We're okay. Nothing can harm us. But they've turned their hearts away from God. Judgment does come. Jerusalem is taken captive and thousands of the best educated, the most skilled craftsmen are taken captive, led off into what they called Babylon, what we would call Iraq today. The city is destroyed, the temple is destroyed, the king is gone, the nation has collapsed. It's like the end of the story. Israel's finished, forgotten. It's history. Jerusalem is just a pile of rubble. Years go by and people live in exile thinking, is there any hope? Is there any future? Can anything good come out of this? Prophets announce, Isaiah said, forget the former things. Don't dwell in the past. Don't see I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Don't you see it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. And people begin to repent and confess and cry out to God. God listens to people who are broken and contrite. And so God works in the heart of Cyrus, the Persian emperor, and he allows the Jews to go back. A new exodus, not through a sea, but through a desert. They settle in the land again. They rebuild the temple. They rebuild Jerusalem. And Israel never goes back to idolatry. But it's just a shadow of the country that lived under David's rule and Solomon's rule. They never have a king again. It's like the tree's been cut down and only the stump is left in the ground. The country limps along, overshadowed by king nations all around it. So we fast forward 400 years, 400 years of silence. There's not even a prophet. It's just life goes on, drudgery, day after day, year after year. Nothing much happens. And then suddenly, in the desert, comes a rough, rugged-looking man who says, Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And his message alarms the people, and people flock out to hear him. Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's time for a new beginning. Jesus comes and is baptized and the Holy Spirit comes upon him and there's a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love. Jesus begins his ministry. The sick are healed, the blind can see, the cripples walk, 
It's a new beginning, a new beginning in each life that's touched by Jesus. Lepers are cleansed and the dead are raised, hungry are fed. Sinners are welcomed and transformed. It's a new beginning. God is doing something new. God has entered human history. Some people are happy, but some people are not. The religious leaders are threatened, jealous of Jesus' popularity and authority. They reject him, they denounce him, they hand him over to the Roman authorities to be sentenced. Pilate puts him before, says, I find no evil, I find no wrong in this man, this man is innocent, but to keep you happy, I'll sentence him to death. Greatest mistrial of justice ever. He's, de he's crucified, nailed to a cross. He's declared dead. His body is taken down, hastily buried. There's not even time for a proper farewell funeral service. Hastily buried. His followers are shattered. The king is dead. What will happen to the kingdom? It seems like the story is over. Saturday is the longest, dreariest, saddest day in the history of the world. As it drags by, the king is dead. The kingdom has died. And then on Sunday morning, the tomb is found wide open and Jesus' body is gone. And then Jesus meets with his followers. It's the same body complete with scars, but it's alive, fully alive, with powers it never had before. Death has been defeated. Satan's power is broken. It's a brand new beginning because the greatest enemy, death, has been destroyed. And so for 40 days, Jesus meets with his followers and teaches and instructs them about the kingdom of God. And then while they're watching, he just rises up and they watch him and he disappears and dis just disappears into the clouds and he's gone. Is this the end? Or is this a new beginning? They follow his instructions. They go back to Jerusalem. They continue in prayer because he said, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. He will be a comforter. He'll be just like me except he will live within you and be with you and he will bless you and make you a blessing. And 10 days later, the Holy Spirit comes. There's a roar of a rushing, mighty wind. Just like when a baby is born and it goes, <gasps> takes a big breath and life begins as the oxygen floods in. So there's this roar of rushing, mighty wind as the church is born. And ordinary people from all works of life are filled with the Holy Spirit and equipped to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's a new temple, not a temple made of stones and bricks. A temple, a living, breathing temple made up of people like you and me, ordinary people from all sorts of life, from all sorts of backgrounds. It meets in thatched roof buildings and basements and living rooms. It meets in sanctuaries and converted warehouses. It is the church of Jesus Christ not one country all over the world. 
And so the gospel spreads. It's God's story. It's our story. Because we're part of God's story. If anyone is in Christ, he, she, becomes a new creature, a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become new. This is the God we look forward to. Ezekiel in the Old Testament said, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I'll remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so God offers a new beginning to every person, no matter what your past has been like. The past can be forgiven. The shame can be removed. Hardened hearts can be softened. Lives can be transformed. And so we come to today. A new year, a new decade, but not a new God, the same God who's been with us all through this history is still our God. But in some ways, when you read the news, it sounds like we're off to a bit of a bad beginning. It's not very exciting listening to the news sometimes. Alarm about climate change. Australia, 10 million hectares have been burnt. That's 107,000 square kilometers. That's a little bit less than the entire North Island of New Zealand has gone up in flames. North Island is 112,000 square kilometers. In Australia, 107,000 square kilometers has gone up in flames. 26 people dead, 2,000 plus homes destroyed, livelihoods gone. Millions, some say a billion animals and livestock are dead. And the fires aren't out yet. They continue to rage. People say it's apocalyptic. You keep hearing these words again and again, meaning it's the end of the world. It's going up in flames. On the opposite side of the world, Zimbabwe's in drought. The famous Victoria Falls that are about a kilometer wide are reduced to a trickle. You could catch them in a bucket. People are dying. Animals in national parks are dying in Zimbabwe. Meanwhile, you go to Indonesia, and the rain is bucketing down in Indonesia. 66 people have drowned. Something like 36,000 have been put out of their homes. Buildings are literally sinking into the ground at about 6 to 10 inches a year. And I think in a few years, some of these houses will be, you know, it's just literally sinking. They're going to have to replace the, move the capital somewhere else. 8.6 million people live in Jakarta, and the city is sinking. What's gone wrong with the planet? In Romans 8, Paul talks about all creation groaning and longing for the time when it will be liberated from its bondage and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Obviously referring to Jesus coming back. Creation is groaning, waiting for Jesus to return. Some Christians have the idea that Jesus will come back and scoop up all the believers and take them to heaven and just leave this earth to whatever. But Jesus is not, God is not into disposables. God's into recycling, resurrection, renewal. There will be a judgment 
The earth will be cleansed with fire and evil will be destroyed. God will dwell with his people. Heaven will come to earth and God will make all things new. No more sickness, no more death, no more wars, no more cancer, no more infectious diseases. The psalmist says, let the heavens rejoice, let the earth be glad, let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming. He comes to judge the earth. Isaiah said, the wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The greatest new beginning ever. God makes all things new. So what does this new year have in store for us? No one knows. But there's one word from Christmas that's good to carry over into the new year. It's a beautiful word, Emmanuel, God with us. The God who came to earth in a baby, who died, who rose again, will be with us through this new year. And there's nothing this new year can throw at us that is too big, too hard for our amazing God. This is our Father's world. So we don't ignore climate change. In fact, we should be the best people at climate change because this is our God's world. This is my Father's world and we need to look after it because it's his world. Money, science, and technology don't have all the answers. We have a good God. He's in control. He's a God of new beginnings, and he will bring a new beginning. So we can go into 2020 with confidence that God is with us. He knows the future. He is in control. He is a God of new beginnings. He'll walk with us, talk with us, lead us through every day of this year. I'm glad we can face 2020 with Emmanuel, the God of new beginnings, who is with us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come to you today and thank you that you're a God of new beginnings. You are the God of resurrection. You make all things new. When things are dead and lifeless and useless, you step in and make them new. And we give you praise and thanks. We pray for the nation of Australia today. We pray for gentle rains and no wind. We pray for cooling skies and water in abundance. We pray for that burning land and we pray for the animals, the birds, the people, those that are struggling and those that have lost everything. We pray for those that have trapped and those that have lost their homes and livelihoods and businesses. We pray from east to west and north to south. We pray for the leaders of that nation, that you would give them wisdom and courage to make the decisions they need to make. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to be good stewards of this country and of the resources that we've given us. We pray for those in Indonesia that you would help them and those in Zimbabwe and other places too where fire and devastation has destroyed their lives. God, in your mercy and your grace, speak clearly and may people heed you listen to you, repent and turn to you 
for you are a great God. So be with us today and be with us through this year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you.